Welcome, friends, to part two of the series we started last week on the art of rest. I don't know about you, but so many people that I'm talking to and interfacing with counseling are struggling to find rest. Seems like rest is elusive and evasive during this season, and yet it does not have to be. And our heart in presenting these two weeks is that God is going to inspire you with the truths of his word, the power of his presence, that you would be able to experience the peace and rest that Jesus purchased for us. Last week, my darling wife, Pastor Darling, shared an amazing introduction on rhythms of rest. And she used this very clever acronym from rest, where she taught us principles of R, how to redeem your time, E, how to eliminate hurry, S, how to slow down for connection and relationship, and then T, very importantly, that it revolves around trusting in Jesus. And I'm going to launch off of that today. Today, in the time that we have together, I want to just look at three things. I want to look at the promise of rest, the place of rest, and the practice of rest. So after those three P's introduced, let's have a fourth P. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you created us to live in you, to be able to think like you, love like you, and live like you. And my Lord and my God, I'm asking that you would anoint this word, that you would invade the lives of every person watching, that the presence and the atmosphere of heaven would come and fill us right now. I'm asking, Lord Jesus, would you release your peace, your rest, your truth, and that heaven would invade as we are sharing this word together, not just as truths that are shared in a message, but with an anointing of your Holy Spirit to break every yoke, every burden, every worry, every anxiety, every bit of stress, and that you would take each person watching right now into a deeper place of understanding how to tap into the rest and the peace that you purchased for us. So Lord, bless this time together. And I pray that no person would leave after listening to this the same as what they came in. But we would leave this message closer to you and knowing what it takes to live like you designed us to. In Jesus' name. Now friends, I want to start with the promise of rest. There are many scriptures that have promised us that there is a rest for God's people, that we are meant to dwell in a place that is restful, that is peaceful. And so many promises in scripture, the Old Testament Psalms, the prophets, full of it. I'm going to just choose two scriptures from words that Jesus said. Jesus is our Lord and Savior. His words carry more weight than anything anyone else has said. And, and I want to just look at some promises that Jesus has given. There are promises, Matthew 11, verse 28, where Jesus said, come to me all you who are weary and burdened and i will give you rest friends i want to make that invitation right now would you in your heart as you are watching this just say lord jesus i choose to come to you right now every part of me that is weary every part of my soul my mind my life that is burdened i choose to come to you jesus and i ask that you would give me your rest receive that Another scripture where Jesus promised, John 14, verse 27, he said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I don't give you the peace that the world gives. His peace, Jesus' peace, is different. The world cannot give the kind of peace that Jesus gives. The world's peace is a peace that, well, everything's going okay, then I have peace. The peace that Jesus gives is independent of what life is like all around me. It's independent of what's going on in my world. It's what's going on in my internal world. I can have peace and rest. And then he says to us, in this peace that he gives, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. I want to say this to you today, my friends. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. No matter what's going on, receive the peace of Jesus. 
as I said, there's so many different promises that those who trust him, uh, many biblical promises about peace. But this is something about biblical promises that I'm sure all of you know. Just because something has been promised does not mean that it magically becomes a reality in our lives simply because it's there as a promise in the Word of God. There are many promises that most Christians never experience in their lives because every promise comes with a condition. Let me give you an example. In a wedding, husband and wife come together and they make certain promises to one another. And you've all seen it. You've seen it on TV. You've been to weddings and the husband promises, looks his wife in the eyes and loves her with all his heart. And just like Jesus loves the church as his bride. And he says, I promise to love you. I promise to protect you, to cherish you, to honor you in sickness and in health. And he goes on and he makes these beautiful promises, just like Jesus has given wonderful promises to us as the church. Now, if after that wedding, the husband and the wife go home and the wife decides she's going to spend all her time at work or out with her friends and doing other things. And he's hardly ever at home with her husband or hardly ever in his presence. And when she is and he's trying to love her, she chooses not to receive it and she's distracted. Then no matter how much he's promised it, she's choosing not to receive his heart to fulfill that promise. And I'm, I lived my Christian life like this for so long. I know many of you can relate to it as well. Is these promises, Jesus has so much he wants to give me, but I'm so distracted. I'm so busy or I'm trying to work to please him or whatever it is, instead of just entering into his rest with some of the principles that we teach him in these two weeks. So let me say this, friends, to receive and walk in what he has promised, we need to position ourselves in him the way he designed us to or we'll be like the wife who's always out doing her own thing and not allowing her husband to release what is in his heart for her promises are there promises are many but in order to receive those we need to enter into what is the second p the place of rest now the best scripture i can find to talk about the place of rest is one of my favorites. You've heard me share on it many times, probably Psalm 91. I love that scripture. I've memorized it off by heart. I declare it over my family virtually every day. And Psalm 91 starts like this in verse one. He who dwells in the secret place or the shelter of the Most High will rest, rest under the shadow of the Almighty. Now, I'm going to read that one more time. And I'm going to ask you while I read it, picture and feel in your heart and soul, what this verse is portraying. Close your eyes right now. And let me say this again. He who dwells in the secret place, the shelter of the Most High, will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Rest. Picture and feel that. I'm dwelling in your presence, God. Let your presence come and invade me right now. Surround me. And you know what that word dwells mean? He that dwells, it's the, it's the Hebrew word for inhabit, to remain, to abide. It's not just I visit now and then. It's not just, well, in the morning I, I pray quickly and then thank you, Jesus, bless my day. It means if you want to live in his rest, you have to abide in him. You go with him and he goes with you everywhere that you go. It's not just in the morning I spend my time in prayer. I'm constantly aware of his presence. I take his presence to work with me, to the shops with me. Everywhere I go, every challenge I face, I'm constantly going, I'm dwelling in your presence. I'm in that secret place, that shelter of the Most High and rest in his presence. And no matter how busy my life gets, I'm constantly pulling myself into that place and seeing myself hiding in him. Let me ask you this question. When last did you truly feel a consistent state of rest in your soul? The current environment, the way the world thinks and operates, and certainly during COVID, seems to be one where being stressed 
overrides being at rest. More people are stressed than at rest. I'm sure you would agree. Those of you who agree, just nod your heads with me. Yes, I see those heads. You know, the world seems to think this is normal. In fact, a lot of people seem to wear it as a badge of honor. So stressed, so busy that, you know, I must be important. And this isn't how God created us to live, friends. The world is kind of like stress is just normal. You just have to accept it. No, you don't have to accept it. This is not how God created us to live. This is not God's normal. It's not his design for you to live in stress instead of living in rest. I love playing around with words, and my wife stole the acronym REST from me last week. I can't use that again, so I'm going to give you the sentence that came to me. I'm sure it was the Holy Spirit. By changing how we spell, the word stress can be displayed as REST. By changing where we dwell, the world's stress can be displaced by His REST. By changing how we spell, the word stress can be displayed as rest. But friends, it's more about where you dwell so that the world's stress can be displaced by his rest. Even saying that word, I love the word rest. Just think about it. If you just like say that word right now, rest, rest. I think the English chose a great word to describe it because it just feels like that. And rest, my friends, according to scripture, one of the ways we get it is the result of dwelling and abiding in him. We read Psalm 91 verse 1. I want to take you to verse 2 where he goes straight after that. And he says, after I am dwelling, abiding in the, uh, in the presence of the Most High, I'm resting under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. This whole concept of trusting in God and seeing him as a refuge and a fortress is reinforced throughout scripture, particularly in the Psalms. Isaiah is one of the prophets who speaks about it as well. And he says this, you will keep him in perfect peace. How many of you would like perfect peace? You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. God will keep any of you in perfect peace when you choose to stay your mind on him and trust in him. Now, what does that word stay mean? I looked it up. I'm not an expert, but I'm an expert at looking things up. It literally means one who rests their mind on you. In other words, my mind is resting in God, trusting in God, and then I experience perfect peace. And he wraps up that verse, Isaiah, by saying, Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is our everlasting rock. He's our refuge. We keep getting this picture of refuge and fortress. And, and the, the, if you read all the scriptures on these, the overwhelming understanding is that when I align my mind the way I think to rest in and trust in God, when I see myself hiding in him as my refuge and my fortress, then doesn't matter what happens around me. The storms and the battles raging around me don't touch me. I have perfect peace internally. Now, let, let me just ask you a question. We talk about this word refuge and fortress. It's used over and over uh, in this context. You do not need a refuge in heaven. Heaven has no enemies, has no storms. You know, a lighthouse is a refuge from the waves battering against that place where the person needs to operate the lighthouse. A refuge, a fortress is only necessary when there are storms, when there are battles, when there are things coming against you. Then we need a refuge and a fortress. So friends, here's something you must understand from scripture very clearly. As long as we're in this world, before the return of Jesus, before he sets this world straight and puts it back according to his plan, that true rest is not going to be 
all of my circumstances free from challenges, free from troubles, free from storms. True rest is not freedom from those things. True rest is hiding in him as my refuge in the midst of those things. A refuge means, do you think that someone who's staying in that lighthouse is worried about the waves? No, <laughs> he's sitting in that lighthouse. I love watching some of those videos of lighthouses being battered by the waves. He's sitting in that lighthouse watching the waves knowing, can't touch me. He sleeps peacefully in that lighthouse, knowing that his refuge is stronger than the waves. It is the same thing with Jesus. He is a refuge who is stronger than anything that the world can throw at you. Any challenges, any storms. Because we know that in Jesus, none of them will have the final say. So I can be at rest. I can have peace in the midst of storms. Here's a great example. Uh, many of you know the story in Mark chapter 4. The disciples are told to get in the boat and Jesus says we're going to go across the sea to the other side. Jesus said, remember that I only do what I see my father doing in heaven. So Jesus, by the leading of the Holy Spirit, just the same as we can be led by the Spirit, sees that God the Father wants him to go to the other side. Jesus tells his disciples, he gets in the boat and it tells us in Mark 4 from verse 37 that a furious storm arose and the waves started breaking over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. It was nearly drowning. And Jesus, what was he doing? He's not worried. <laughs> Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples weren't in the stern, but they were very stern. And they were very upset with Jesus. And they came and woke him up. And what did they say? Teacher, don't you care that we drown? They both experienced in the same storm. Jesus is so much at peace that he can sleep. And he knows Father said, we're going to the other side. So Father has the final say. The storm does not have the final say. I believe that even if Jesus didn't calm that storm, he would have been perfectly at rest in that storm. Some storms, Jesus will speak to and say, be still, and the storm will calm. There are some storms that they will not calm, and we're going to have to just lie in the boat with Jesus and say, Jesus, I'm going to rest with you, and we're just going to ride this thing out because Dad said we're going to the other side no matter what. Jesus didn't need the storm to subside in order to have peace in his soul. He knew that the final outcome was assured. We can have the same thing. We can also see what dad's doing in heaven. We can also tap into that place in heaven that supersedes what the world is throwing at us. How can I say this? You know, in Ephesians 2 verse 6, Paul says this, God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. That means although my body is here on earth, my soul, my spirit man can tap into heaven by the power of the Holy Spirit living in me. The Holy Spirit can show me what heaven is doing, what heaven is saying. I can experience the atmosphere of heaven. We were designed to live from heaven to earth. That's why Jesus said, when you pray, pray, your will be done. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. We are meant to be people who are living in heaven with Jesus, experiencing that atmosphere, seeing what he's doing, being around him and dad in the power of the Holy Spirit and releasing that everywhere that we go in the world. Now, I can choose to dwell there. I can choose to dwell seated with him in heavenly places, in the atmosphere, the peace, the perspective of heaven and have rest. Or... I can dwell on my earthly problems in the anxiety, pain, and perplexities of this world and have stress. Which would you rather have? Can I say this to you? And we've said this a lot. It's my choice. It's my choice whether I have rest or whether I have stress. John 16, 33, Jesus says this to his disciples. He says, I've spoken these words to you so that in me you may have peace. 
Now, that's a beautiful promise from Jesus. Many people embrace that promise, but straight after making that promise, he says this, in this world, you will have trouble. It's the Greek word thlipsis. It literally means pressure, persecution, troubles. And, and he, he gives us this promise. The words I've spoken to you are so that you can have peace in me. Now, know this, in this world, you will have trouble. But there's a big but after that, and he says, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. Now, friends, it's my choice whether I can embrace the first and last part of that promise of Jesus, or like a lot of Christians, just focus on the middle. Oh, in this world, we're going to have trouble, we're going to have trouble, we're going to have trouble. Friends, Jesus says, it's almost like Jesus saying, so what? Guys, listen, the words that I've spoken to you, the truths of my word will bring peace to you. In me, you will have peace. So listen, guys, you're going to have some trouble in the world, but don't worry about the trouble. I've overcome the world. In other words, no trouble that comes against you can ever have the final say. True biblical rest. Let me say this very clearly. True biblical rest refers more to the state of our soul than the state of our circumstances. The state of your circumstances do not determine whether you have rest or stress. It is the state of your soul and what you choose to align your soul to that will determine whether you have rest or stress. I shared this a few weeks back. Uh, Dr. Caroline Leaf, I'm loving her book, Switch on Your Brain. And, and she talks about this in, in the world of neuroscience and how biblical principles apply. She says you cannot ever control the circumstances of life. You can't control your circumstances. You can't control what life throws at you. But you can control your responses and reactions to those things. So friends, that brings me to the practice of rest. How do we control our responses and reactions? And how do we practice this rest and enter into it so that it becomes a daily habit? You know, when we, when we use the title for this particular sermon series, The Art of Rest, rest kind of is an art because it's a spiritual skill that needs to be learned, mastered, and practiced. It doesn't come naturally. It seems like our upbringing trains us how to not be at rest. We have to work hard to resist the world's ways of thinking, even resist your upbringing and resist the ways you were taught to be able to say, I'm choosing not to do that. I'm going to choose to build a different habitual pattern. I'm going to learn the art of living in rest. So the first practice we've already spoken about is the place of rest. The first practice is I learn to live in him, abiding in him every minute of the day, living from heaven in him as my refuge and fortress, trust in him. I want to wrap up with just two quick practices as well that I have found very useful. And the one I call divine transactions, but you can call it whatever you like. It comes from Matthew eleven twenty eight. There are many other places in scripture that, that we see this principle. But Jesus, we spoke about this when I when I introduced the topic in Matthew eleven twenty eight said, Come to me, you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. There's this picture that I come to him weary and burdened. I give him my weariness and my burdens, and he replaces it with rest. That is reinforced by the very next verse where he says, how do we do this? He says, I want you to take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Wow. And then he wraps up with something you've probably heard before. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Now, most of you know that a yoke is something that two oxen will put their heads in. They'll be yoked together so they can plow together. If I, as someone who is weak, am yoked to Jesus who is strong, it means he can do all the work and I get carried along by him and enjoy the ride. His yoke means that he's doing the work. He's already done what is necessary and I get to enter into the rest of what he has done. 
So there's this picture, this like divine transaction. I practice this daily. I use this in counseling people. Is I come to him with these things that are burdensome, that are wearisome, that are wearing me out, whether it's fears, anxieties, weight that I'm carrying. And I'm saying, Jesus, I come to you and I cast these cares on you because you care for me, as Peter says. I give you my cares. I give you my burdens. And I take your gentleness. I take your rest upon me. I take your yoke. And in your yoke, you carry me along. This divine traction, <laughs> traction, transaction, and there's a lot of traction with him pulling the yoke as well. But this divine transaction is something Jesus paid for at the cross. And so often we're holding on to things that he is able to say, would you just give those to me? Why don't you just let them go? And let me show you what I give you to replace them. And I'm going to close in prayer at the end of this message and do a bit of a divine transaction prayer with you. When Jesus talks about this rest, by the way. It reinforces the whole thing that it's not our circumstances, but our soul that he's talking about. It is the Greek word for refresh, from which we get the Greek word that means inner rest and tranquility. So in other words, Jesus is saying, come to me, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter what is trying to burden you or weigh you down, and I will give you an inner rest and tranquility that will supersede no matter what is going on around you. I want to close with a scripture that really reinforces this. And it starts with such a great sentence that many of you know, and I touched on it before. 1 Peter 5 verse 7. Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. There's something about this divine transaction of saying, Jesus, I come, I cast all my cares on you. You take them and I receive from you. But when he says this in 1 Peter 5 verse 7, Peter wraps up and he says, not just that, but you need to also be alert and of sober mind because your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. I want to say this it's a very interesting concept that Peter is talking about, but he's kind of reinforcing what it means to cast all your anxieties and cares on him is to say it means being of sober mind. This word sober is the Greek word that means unintoxicated and figuratively it means free of toxic thinking, not allowing toxic thoughts to operate and take hold in my life. And 2 Corinthians 10 talks about this principle of we take captive every thought and bring it under the obedience of Christ. And it's almost like toxic thinking causes our minds to not be able to walk in freedom and rest. When we cast our anxieties on him, it's more than just saying, Jesus, I choose to let go. It's about saying, I choose to think differently. I choose to not allow toxic, anxious, caring thinking to have a hold in my mind. We've spoken about this quite a lot, but I, I want to just reinforce this principle. How I think is either going to give Jesus more authority in my life or the enemy more authority. The enemy is not my problem. Toxic thinking is my problem because when I choose to think the way the devil thinks in toxic thinking, in lies, in deception, then I give him authority to operate in my life. But when I choose to think like heaven thinks and I say no to toxic thinking, I say yes to the words of Jesus. I say yes to what scripture says. I say yes to how heaven thinks. Then I give Jesus the authority to break down the anxiety, to break down the worry, the lies, the fear, whatever it might be. And to release peace, to release rest. And so I want to say this to you, my friends. In summary, these three principles, these three practices, there are many more, but these are three that I find particularly useful in my life. Practice abiding in Him, living in Him every day, being in His presence, that His presence is in me and I'm in His presence everywhere I go. 
trusting in him, choosing to say, you're my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Secondly, daily divine transactions, casting my cares on him, taking his yoke upon me, taking what heaven has for me, taking his peace, his joy, his laughter, his blessing in replacing the things that I've given up. And then resist toxic thinking. We spoke a little bit last time about Caroline Leaf talking how the power of toxic thinking to damage the brain and the body has been proven on a whole new scale through neuroscience. And I want to say this, my friends, let's start to think like heaven. Let's start to live from heaven and let's start to release and give up those things which are not of heaven so that we can constantly be receiving what heaven has for us. Amen. I'm going to pray for you right now and I'm going to ask you to just close your eyes and and, and bring yourself into a place Will you picture yourself choosing to come into his presence, abiding in the shelter of the Most High? He's my refuge. I just come into your presence right now, Father. And I ask that your presence would overwhelm and surround, that the shadow of the Almighty would come upon and around every person watching right now. And let them experience the rest that comes with that presence. And as you are there with Jesus right now, I want you to just picture yourself in his presence, picture yourself hiding in him. I want you to also look at what are the cares that you carry in the worries, the anxieties, the stresses. And you know, just like a yoke that you carry, you can take that off your shoulders right now. Would you just picture yourself taking those stresses, those worries, those anxieties, those cares and casting them on Jesus? Say, Lord Jesus, I give these up to you. It's a divine transaction. I give up these things. I give them to you. And now I receive, Lord Jesus, what you have for me. Would you give me what heaven has for me? Lord, I pray for each person as they're giving up the things that are stressing them, the negative emotions, the negative thinking, as they're giving up the fears, the anxieties, the traumas, whatever it might be, the grief. As they are giving that up to you and casting that upon you, I ask that you would release right now what heaven has for them. Release your peace. Just receive it right now, his peace. His presence, His rest, His joy. I hear the Lord saying this, I am restoring to you the joy of your salvation. Some of you have lost the joy of your salvation. Lord Jesus, fill me again with the joy of my salvation. Restore to me the first love that I, that I had when I first met you. And just experience that divine transaction right now. And Lord, as we close, I ask that you would fill each person with the grace to know what it is to develop a habit of abiding in you, living in you, resisting toxic thinking and constantly releasing that which isn't of you and taking that which is until we learn, my Lord and my God, what it is to think like you, to live like you and to love like you in Jesus name. Amen. If you're here today and you haven't given your life to Jesus, he's not your Lord and Savior and you know you need to get right with God. I want you to pray this prayer and there's a link that will come up in the chat right now that you can also click on. The only way you're going to find peace is by coming into his presence and his presence in you the way he created you. And would you just say this, Lord Jesus, thank you for taking my sin on the cross. Thank you for dying in my place. And I ask you right now to forgive me of my sins and my sinful way of living. I give you my life today. I ask you to take control. Fill me with your Holy Spirit right now. Make me a new creation. The old man is now gone. The new man has come. The man you created me to be. The woman you created me to be.
Lord Jesus, be my Lord and my Savior. Give me the power of your presence now to live the life you created me for. And I choose to live every day of my life from this point onwards for you and with you and in you. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, please do connect with us. We'd love to give you some materials and have some people pray with you. Otherwise, God bless you. Have the most amazing week of rest and peace and joy, releasing everything that's not from heaven, receiving everything that is, and abiding in His presence. We are going to raise an army of people who know what it is to live from heaven and release heaven everywhere we go. Tune in next week for a start of our exciting Exodus series. It's going to be amazing. We're going to be doing stuff in our connect groups. If you're not in a connect group, click connect with us. We'll get you in one where we start this amazing series next week. You do not want to miss it. God bless. Have an amazing week. Love you guys.